Welcome to the Point of Impact podcast with Rick McDaniel. Thanks for joining us today. Get ready to be inspired and motivated to live a high-impact life. Now, here's Rick. Welcome to another episode of the Point of Impact podcast. I'm Rick McDaniel. It is great to have you joining us, and we appreciate you listening. And however you're doing that, Apple or Simplecast or iHeartRadio or Spotify, or One Place, wherever you're listening, we uh, we we appreciate it. And I really uh, would ask you to just share this podcast with those that you know that you think would enjoy listening to it as well as we continue to, to expand and to try to reach more and more folks and, and share our content with them and see if it connects with them and helps them. And so if you can do that, if you can give us a, any sort of a shout out on social media, that would be great. Uh, a review on uh, any of the sites like Apple Podcasts, for instance, that would be great as well. Appreciate that. Ratings, reviews, whatever it might be. Uh, all that stuff's important. As an author, I know how important these uh, reviews can be. People read them. They want to know, know what other people think. So what you think matters for sure and can help uh, other folks and describe a little bit about why you listen and what you find helpful. And so I appreciate that. also appreciate the the book purchases, uh, hardcover, softcover, ebook, however you can get it. The audiobook's been held up a little bit, a couple little issues, but hopefully not for too much longer. The audiobook ought to be available as well. And when it comes out, it would be available in a number of places, quite a selection of places you can get the book. So you might even have a subscription service already and you'll be able to get to add the book to it. But it's certainly be on places like Barnes and Noble and Audible and Amazon, you know, all that kind of stuff will be available on all those as well. I'd love to have you get the book. Today we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about another one of the styles from the book. We'll do that again next week. But I actually wanted to to do something, uh, have a little fun, because one of the most popular episodes of this podcast so far was the one I did about 10 things that millennials are killing. And one of those 10 things was uh, weddings and may- maybe marriage in general, but especially weddings. And I just thought, what if we took a deeper dive into that one particular subject of weddings and just see what, you know, what is it? What's going on with millennials and weddings that is so different and and uh, there's a lot of things there's a lot of a lot to cover here today of ways in which millennials are just looking at weddings differently now uh, if you don't know i am an ordained minister as well as a speaker author and podcaster and so i do uh weddings and i've done quite a few weddings uh, over the years so i'm pretty up on, you know, what's going on with millennials, Uh, not the only group that gets married, but it's certainly the majority group of weddings that I've done are for people in that age range. So I've I've noticed some things, seen some things, I've also uh, read some other research, and I just think it's really interesting kind of what's happening with weddings and millennials. So let's just look at some things where millennials are just saying, yeah, we're not going to do that or, or we're not going to do this as it relates to weddings. Let's start with uh, the idea of matching bridesmaid dresses. You know, this is, you know, it's a joke through the years and you spend this money, you buy this dress and, you know, you never wear it again. You don't like it. It's not 
nice. And so, you know, this idea of, of stuffing, you know, the closets of all their friends with the identical gowns is just not something that millennials go for. In, uh, in a survey reported in Brides magazine, only 30 percent last year, 2018, only 30% of brides said that they had matching bridesmaid dresses. So almost two thirds of millennial brides are saying, no. So the new, the new move is to pick a color theme, you know, and then allow the bridesmaids to choose whatever style of dress that they like, that they think is flattering to their figure, that they think is beautiful. And, you know, that could be the the, the typical gown, it, it could be, you know, a, a shorter dress, maybe. I'm not an expert in dresses, but I've seen, I suppose, enough. You know, I got a wife, so I know a little bit about it. But the idea is, let's just all be in the same color, and then we can get whatever dress we like in that color so that we can wear uh, on more than, you know, maybe just one occasion. So that's one thing. Another thing is traditional registries. You know, the idea that you register at different stores and you put down all the things that you need, you know, dishes and pots and pans and towels and toaster and all that sort of stuff. And uh, that's not happening as much because many millennials are living together. And so they already have a lot of that stuff. It's not necessarily they've never lived in the same place before. And so they're already stocked with those sorts of things. So SNP re reports that over 40% of millennials are setting up online registries with unique or eclectic type items, not the typical fare, but something unique and different. Or they're setting up what are sometimes called honey funds, which is basically in lieu of the traditional gift, how about if you give us money that we can use on our honeymoon? That's the direction that millennials are going. By the way, as someone who's counseled many couples before they're married, pre-marriage counseling, I'm a big believer in a honeymoon. I think, you know, how you start off your marriage is important. So, you know, you, I, I can see the wisdom of that. But again, different, different than the traditional registry. How about something like, like, you know, the garter toss? You know, this tradition is an old one. It comes all the way back to the 14th century where actually a piece of the bride's dress was thrown into a sea of people. And that was actually proof that the couple had then consummated their marriage. And it also was believed to bring good luck and fertility to whoever caught the garment. So uh, men would fight over getting it. Today, only 32% of millennials are choosing to continue with this garter toss, according to Bride Survey. So, Two-thirds are saying, yeah, we, we think that's weird or, 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 or we don't like it for whatever reason, so we, we don't want to do it. So, boom, there goes another. There goes another of the wedding traditions down the tubes thanks to the millennials. All right, how about another one? Here's a fourth one, the, the bouquet toss. Millennials are tossing the bouquet, but not not in the traditional way, they're actually tossing the idea of tossing a bouquet. I guess the idea is when you spent a lot of money on a bouquet of, of, of roses and, you know, all these other flowers, 
maybe you want to keep it as a souvenir and you don't necessarily want to toss it away. I remember when my only wedding we've had in our family, when my oldest son got married, it was a beautiful bouquet and it was in Venice and man, it was, you know, romance on steroids. And we actually were the ones that got the bouquet for them. And uh, someone at the hotel knew a florist and did a beautiful job. And it's in all the pictures and all that sort of stuff. And so um, people just want to keep it. And there's also the idea that some millennials don't like don't like it that, you know, their friends that you say aren't married or kind of singled out. The singles are singled out. And um, so less than half of millennials now opt to toss the bouquet at a wedding. Wow. So again, less than half, that means that still there's there's uh, still a, a, a group of, of uh, millennials that are doing this. It's not like these things have completely gone away, but they're not what they once were. They're not seen in the same way. And again, if you've done a lot of weddings like I have, so I mean, I've been to a lot of weddings, I mean, literally, gosh, hundreds you see a lot of stuff and to not see the, the bouquet thrown is it's just kind of unusual. It's odd. Let's, uh, let's talk about another thing, you know, while we're on this sort of stuff that happens at the wedding that gets thrown, the throwing of rice. Now throwing of rice is again, kind of one of these old ones. And the idea is that rice symbolizes rain and that's a blessing of, 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 of good fortune. And again, fertility for a couple. So that's the reason why rice has been thrown for years. Like, you know, the Bible says there will be showers of blessings. So, you know, we're going to throw a bunch of rice and it's like represents rain. And it's like the showers of blessing are coming on this new couple. I mean, it's that's pretty nice symbolism. But people think, oh, gosh, it's kind of a pain to clean up. And, um, you know, it's 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 not that great. Maybe some even see it as wasteful. I don't think rice is very expensive, but you know some people see it that way. So blowing bubbles, <laughs> you know, maybe is the the new the newest thing that gets used, or or maybe there's nothing like that at all. Those sorts of things just go away. So again, millennials and wedding traditions. How about we go, say, pre-wedding to the engagement ring? It's a big deal, right? Well, millennials, they, they don't see it the same way. You know, this idea that you should take, you know, who knows who came up with this, and certainly <laughs> you would think the jewelry folks, two months salary, two months salary for a wedding ring. But these days, the, uh, the millennials are... Um, not necessarily willing to go for that. In, in fact, in an Ameritrade, you know, the financial services company Ameritrade, they did a survey this year. And the feedback was that an engagement ring should cost no more than $2,500. So that's, you know, that would be a pretty low salary if that was two months salary. So obviously it isn't two months salary. Millennials are just like, it's not necessary. Again, it's not everybody, but there is a sense that we don't need to spend this much money. There's also the idea that the ring should reflect more on your, your, your personality, and that doesn't necessarily mean a diamond. 
So diamonds are certainly popular, absolutely. But opals, pearls, amethysts, even just plain gold bands are taking the place of the more traditional diamond engagement ring. So, you know, it's not everybody. There's some women, certainly, that's exactly what they've expected to get their whole life, and they want it. And they're not going to be happy with anything else. Others don't see it the same way. And again, more, maybe you're saying, yeah, but does it have to be something so expensive? If I make you know $60,000 a year, $5,000 a month, and that's two months salary, that's ten grand. supposed to spend ten grand on a ring? That's too much money. I don't want to do that. You know, that sort of mentality, that sort of thinking is the, the kind of thinking that has taken over in uh, the world of the millennials. Here's another one, the idea of who do you invite to a wedding. So this is, this is interesting. In 2018, last year, the average wedding was for 136 guests and cost about $34,000, over $250 a, a, a head, so to speak. This is according to a report from the Knot, K-N-O-T, Knot. Hmm. So, I mean, those are, those are big dollars. So the idea of inviting 300 people, your parents, friends on both sides, and coworkers, and every relative that you possibly could have, and all that sort of thing is just something that millennials are saying, you know, to combat the cost, we're going to keep the guest list smaller. We're only going to invite the nearest and dearest. And that's, uh, you know, that's, that's the way it look, works. On Reddit, someone shared this in terms of a smaller wedding. I had a wedding at a beach house. My parents rented it out for the week because it had around 10 bedrooms and people traveling from other states could sleep there instead of paying for a hotel, about 40 people attended, and it was really nice. And I can just tell you as someone, I've done several of those exact kind of weddings. They rent out the big uh, beach house where, where I live in, in Virginia. The close place for that is the Outer Banks of North Carolina. I've been there a number of times, done a number of weddings, and that's, that's the deal rent out a big beach house, maybe a couple max. And, you know, there aren't, there aren't even 136 people, you know, there may, there may not be more than 40, 50, 60 folks max. And again, you can see, you know, 34 grand, $250 a head. Hey, it adds up. And so millennials say, yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're not going to buy a meal for somebody that, you know, we never see any other time. So again, Interesting. And I think you can see the connection or the tie-in with the whole registry thing. Like if the registry isn't as big a deal, then it just sort of makes sense that maybe, hmm, maybe I don't think in terms of gifts like folks maybe thought of in the past. And in keeping with the same thing is the idea of the, the formal wedding venue. So hey, I'm all about the weddings in the church. I mean, that's 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 what I'm in favor of and, and, and believe in for any number of reasons. But millennials, they seek out other venues. They go for places that they think are sentimental in some way or 
or, you know, inviting in some way, like, again, like a beach or or our favorite outdoor spot, or again, maybe some kind of uh, historic building, something like that. But over the years, it is remarkable the change that I've seen from doing primarily weddings in church to doing weddings in all kinds of places, all kinds of places. And then there is even the the destination wedding. I went uh, one time, the couple flew me to Georgia to a vineyard, and that is where the wedding took place in this vineyard. Another time, a couple uh, wanted to do a destination wedding in Jamaica. Now, at the last minute, I got X'd out of the program, unfortunately, and missed my free ride to Jamaica. But you know, this is this is definitely a change. It's just not the way things necessarily were. And so that's the wedding part. Now, how about, you know, when you talk about like a reception, the, the idea of, of the reception and where would the reception be? Again, according to the knot, only 60% of couples choose to, to have their wedding at what you might call the, the traditional uh, spot. And uh, again, the, the reception, many times what's happening is that on a number of these where the same place that holds the reception holds the wedding or vice versa the wedding and the reception they're 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 in the same they're in the same location they're and of course people like that because it's convenient you know we don't give out the directions and now you got to drive somewhere else and find out you know how do i get there and so forth and so on it's all it's all in one place become very popular for sure here's some more ways that millennials are really Shaken up the wedding traditions. You know the classic phrase, something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. You know, that's just a, like an old English rhyme. And it's it's meant to signify the, the sort of four good luck items a bride would have with her on her wedding day. It's a tradition that goes back a long time, but it does not carry weight with millennials. Going on a scavenger hunt for four items is seen as a, an extra chore on an already long to-do list. So millennials are like, mm, not necessarily. You know, maybe bridesmaids wear blue dresses, and that can count as the something blue. And, you know, if I can have something old and something new, you know, so be it. If I can have something borrowed, but it just isn't, you know, like a focal point, whereas in the past it would be like, I have to have these four items have to have them, whatever it takes, whatever, you know, effort is needed, we've got to round up these four items because it's absolutely crucial to have in order for this wedding to take place. Millennials just just don't think that way and, and, and just reject that as something that has to happen and has to be done. Here's another one, the idea that you don't see each other until the ceremony. This, you know, this old tradition of not peaking you know, is is kind of uh, an interesting backstory to it. In the age of arranged marriages, the, the groom wouldn't see the bride until the morning of, so <laughs> he wouldn't back out at the last minute. That's really where it comes from. <laughs> like, we're not going to let you see who this bride is that we've arranged for you. You'll only see her right at the wedding ceremony, so you'll have to go through with it whether you like what you see or not. And so these days, of course, couples are together 
for really a remarkably long time, close to five years, according to a, a report in Bride's book. Five years, 89% of couples cohabitate prior to getting married. Wow. So living in sin, what happened to living in sin? It's, all, it's, it's completely changed. Just absolutely, completely different. So somebody like me who did not live together with his wife previous to marriage, kind of uh, not, not happening as much as today. We could get into the whole biblical side of that, like what does the Bible have to say about living together? And uh, by the way, there's some fascinating social science research uh, that's been done um, that really is Scott Stanley, University of Denver, has done some fascinating work in this. Might be worth looking up if you want to see really some really surprising information about whether living together is a good idea. I mean, again, the idea is let's sort of take a test run, but man, the research does not back that up at all. For instance, couples that live together, is it helping them not to get divorced? You would think, well, sure, because they've already tried it out. Not not the case, not true. Nope, research does not, does not back that up at all. And there's a number of other fascinating pieces of, of research that have been done about cohabitation and living together and whether it really is a good idea. But that's, you know, that's the one for another day. Let's just say that, you know, that the idea of uh, not seeing each other when couples stay together the night before the wedding. Now it's unheard of. I mean, absolutely unheard of. And even still today, couples who live together, you'll see, you'll still see that where they'll say, yeah, well, we're not going to, not going to be together the night before, but you know, we'll save on hotel costs, transportation costs, uh, you know, whatever, whatever else. And we'll just, we'll just, we'll just be together. That's, that is a, a, a millennial move that is, is really, really, a difference from years and years and years and years and years of wedding traditions as they relate to not seeing the bride before the wedding uh, actually takes place. Let's go back to the dress for just a moment. And just, I think it's just interesting. So the floor length white wedding dress, I mean, obviously it's still an item. Absolutely. And, you know, there's television shows about this and all that sort of stuff. The white wedding dress became a bridal staple uh, in the 1800s when Queen Victoria wed King Albert and donned a dress made of uh, lace and, you know, white lace. And so this tradition, which, you know, a couple hundred year old tradition uh, that's been going on forever is getting a makeover, again, thanks to millennials. So non-white wedding dresses offer a chance for the bride to be unique, to save money, um, potentially. And so there's a change then in, in some thinking. So even colors like beige and blush and yellow, even gray and black are... are uh, dresses that millennial brides are wearing. And um, it's it's really amazing, you know, again, if you're used to seeing the white wedding dress. In other words, you do a second marriage and you you understand that that's not the case. That's that. But this is, you know, is, is different. And, um, you know, 
anything that's not marked wedding is cheaper. And so some brides are saying, you know what? That's the way I'm going to go. There's even a move toward wearing like pantsuits instead of dresses. I don't think that's very common. I'm not sure if I've ever done, if I've ever even done one wedding like that. But, you know, shorter dresses, dresses that aren't necessarily white, these sorts of things are definitely happening more than they ever did before. And it is positively being led by uh, millennials. And then, you know, one more that fits into this, which is the ideal of, idea of the traditional veil. Now, um, the veil is being transformed with like, almost like flower crowns or elaborate headpieces could even be made of like pearls or silver, things like this. Um, just almost, you know, this, this other almost princess sort of sort of look in a different way. Some brides are even going uh, away from veils altogether. And uh, some are even using the, the sort of like the cape, some even like the hood. It, it's, it's, again, I can't say I've seen a lot of them, but definitely the veil is just not something that is in uh, style. Like, uh, you know, like it once was. So, um, again, you know, as I said, we take a deep dive into one of the 10 things that millennials are killing off because this one uh, of all of them really is, it has a lot more to it, you know, than maybe, uh, brick and mortar banks or, or some of the other things, golfing, some of those things we've talked about. This one here is, it, it's got a lot to it. And, and of course you can see some of the reasons why there's been a changes because, some of these traditions simply, um, again, when you talk about living together and white being like pure and virgin, then where does that fit into the picture and things like that? You can sort of see how some of these things go. And again, th again, the, the number one thing obviously is the cohabitation because don't need a registry because we already have all these things. So you can kind of see how this movement toward cohabitation really ends up changing weddings. And it's not just these traditions, but obviously even this lengthy time before even getting married so that the average age of someone getting married has gone up significantly. I mean, very, very significantly. It's rare now for, say, someone like me to marry a couple in which, say, they're in their like earlier or middle 20s. The idea that you get out of college and get married, you know, this is the sort of way that uh, I would have been done in, in my, my time um, dating myself, I guess is just not the same. And so everything is, is, is pushed back. And then when you push back time and you bring in a living together, you end up seeing how these changes can just very logically happen. And you lose some of these traditions that have been around. Again, none of these things are by any means everyone. I mean, you've heard some of these statistics, there's still, you know, a third to a half that are still participating in traditional type weddings. So that's, uh, that's obvious, but it is definitely fascinating to just see some of the differences and the changes that have taken place when you talk about uh, millennials and, and how it is that they look at weddings and, and marriage and, and all these things. And the final thing I would just say about that is that a marriage is still a super valuable thing. And it's because of that, this marvelous word commitment. It's making a commitment. 
and commitment is so vital to success. My classic phrase is successful people are just ordinary people who make commitments others are unwilling to make. You will never regret making a commitment. I've, I've just, I've made commitments my whole life and they are absolutely key to success. I mean, you just, you can't have, can't have a home without commitment. You can have, a, you can't have a marriage without commitment. And you know, you, you can't have a military unless my son's in the military. He's got to stand up there and pledge a commitment. I'm going to defend the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to take my orders from the president and I'm going to be committed and you go right down the list of, of where commitment makes such a difference in your life. And no one's ever won a gold medal, won a championship, built a business, none of these things without enormous amounts of commitment. And so that's the value of marriage is that marriage is a commitment, a significant commitment to one person. And you'll never regret making commitments and you'll never regret making a commitment in marriage because it's such a... It's such a foundation to your entire life, your entire uh, community, family, everything. So I encourage you, make the commitment of marriage. Traditions are one thing, but make the commitment to marriage. You absolutely will not regret it. All right. Till next week. It's been great having you listening today. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Point of Impact podcast with Rick McDaniel. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.